1: or what you do, who are you?
2: I am a writer. I am a lover of music. I am someone who tries to do their best but doesn't always succeed. I'm someone who works hard to take care of my family. I'm someone who's gone through a lot but has come out on top and is working towards self-improvement.
3: Excellent.
1: Follow-up question. Okay. Why do you think you're here?
2: Um, that's something I've actually struggled with a lot. I think I'm here because I think I'm here to just like help people. I'm here to experience life in a way that maybe other people don't, so I can give a new perspective to things. I'm here to live my true self, and even if time gets hard and I feel like it's giving up, there's always a way out, and there's people who will help me get out, and then I can help other people who've gone through similar things come out as well. Previously, in Greater Boston. What's it feel like to be the
0: man who discovered D.B. Cooper? You're about to get your 15 minutes. What do you plan to do with it?
4: I honestly haven't thought about it at all. All I want to do is go home. I'm sorry, Michael. Keeping you safe seemed like the right thing to do. But then you came up here, and he locked you in and kept you at his mercy.
5: I'm owning up to these crimes on the condition that the man you wrongly arrested in the aftermath is set free.
4: It was cool.
2: yeah, you part, you want it in, character in character voice right now. All right.
1: Red Dorchester. Slayer. Yeah, so let's this. Somerville is. I've never
2: been on
6: this in my
1: whole life, Bryce.
0: This is. This
6: is. This is. This is. This is.
0: Greater Boston.
7: This week in Greater Boston, episode 25. But perhaps there is a key.
4: Dimitri. Jeez, Leon, what are you doing back there? Waiting for you, obviously. The guest of honor slips away towards Grand Adventure at the height of his goodbye party, leaving everyone to wonder where he's gone. I anticipated your tendency to give the Irish goodbye. We're Greek. As I'm sure you're aware, it's just an expression. Plus, there is a small percentage of Irish in our ancestry. Hmm. You came out here to work on that puzzle box, didn't you? Slip away to
2: work on it so as not to be rude? You plan to waltz back into the party with it solved like it was nothing
4: at all? No, I came out here to wait for you. Please don't force me into redundancy. You're not going to talk me out of leaving, Leon. I don't intend to. I know you're determined to go this time. Attempts at dissuading you would be a futile waste of time and energy. Then what are you- Nika. You need to say goodbye to Nika. There's no need to. She's not going with you, Dimitri. You don't give her enough credit. You think she's
2: too much like you. As do you. We've already discussed a meeting place later on after I catch my bus. She's going to catch up with me in Springfield. She just needs a little
4: more time. I'm telling you, she will not meet you. What makes you so sure? I know her. And I don't. Is that it? You do, to an extent. But your knowledge of Nika is overshadowed by your knowledge of who you want her to be. Has it ever occurred to you that this could be the last time you see her? Come on, Leon. Don't lay this morbid guilt trip on me. Jesus. I'm merely pointing out a fact. Believe me, it irritates me more than you. But consider the suddenness of our mother's demise. Death isn't something that can be scheduled. It just happens. Says the guy who scheduled his funeral into his Google calendar. I spoke to six different actuaries, my personal physician, and two credible psychics to get as close to the approximate date as possible. It's best to be prepared for these things, even if nailing down specific details is ultimately a futile exercise. It's not like you to be this melodramatic. What happens when she doesn't meet you? How long do you wait for her? How will you react? Will you resent her? Will you blame her? I won't do anything of the kind,
2: because she's coming this time, Leon. I looked into her eyes. I believe her. Well, need to skedaddle off to South
4: Station if I'm going to catch my bus. Mm. Good luck with that puzzle box. I'll have it solved by the time you return. Write me, please, so I know you're okay. I will, when I can. And write Nika. We'll write you
2: together. Trust me. She'll be... What?
4: You might as soon enclose the ocean in a small vessel.
2: Leon? Leon? Where'd you go?
4: Might as soon clasp the whole Earth in
8: your fist. I can't... I can't see you. I can't see... Might as soon halt the
4: movement of the heavens.
8: What the hell is happening? Where did everything... where did everything go? As described the attitude of the saints without experiencing it. Why won't you answer me? Why don't... who are you?
4: You know who I am. The question is. Who are you, Dimitri? <sighs> 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 <sighs>
6: Mr. Stigmata, you're late! Yeah, yes, yes,
4: I, I'll, uh,
2: We're ready to shoot you now. okay! Thank you. I'll be right there. Pick up. Pick up, please.
6: We're wasting time here!
2: Almost ready! i stalled them as long as I could. Let's go! Okay! Okay, let's shoot. Since the dawn of time, all of humanity has been drawn to the unexplained, the uncanny, the unsolvable. Stonehenge, the Bermuda Triangle, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, the identity of Jack the Ripper. Why do these mysteries haunt and taunt us so? Why do so many of us stay up late into the night, obsessively poring over clues with nothing but blind hope that they will find the keys to unlock these inexplicable riddles? In 1971, a man hijacked a plane, ran some $200,000, and then vanished without a trace. That mysterious skyjacker was commonly referred to as D.B. Cooper, and for decades, professional and amateur sleuths alike desperately tried in vain to solve the riddle of his masterful crime and bizarre disappearance. I'm Dimitri Stamatis, and I'm the man who found D.B. Cooper.
0: And I'm Nika Stamatis, Dimitri's big sister. Together, we plan to travel the world in an attempt to solve other great mysteries.
6: No! Whoa! Whoa! Uh, what the... What? Keep rolling. Just what the hell do
2: you think you're doing? What am I doing? What are you doing? Who's that? I'm Nika
0: Stamatis, Dimitri's big sister. And together we planted... No, I'm sorry.
2: No. We had an agreement about who was going to play my sister. Nobody was going to play my sister.
6: It was just going to be her. Listen to me, Mr. McStasis. Stamatis. I'm the director of this over-budgeted, under goddamn travesty, which means I'm the one who yells cut, not you. Me and the rest of my crew just want to shoot this shit, collect our checks, and make it home in time for pizza night. So if you want to keep being a big-shot Hollywood diva, you go right ahead, but you do it on someone else's set. On my set, we keep rolling till I say so. You got it, Mr. Semantics? Stomatis. Look, I'm a consulting producer on this show, and it's
2: in my contract. My real sister plays my sister, and that's final. All
6: due respect, consult this. We're already behind three weeks on this piss-poor, plagiarized, unsolved mysteries. Give him a break, Spencer. You know, I met Robert Stack once... I was a P.A. on Airplane. Beautiful man. I bet once his corpse catches wind of this bullshit, he'll spit in his grave so goddamn much the St. Andrea's fault splits open and sends us all to Davy Jones's locker. Sorry, he could be a bit dramatic. He used to be a Scientologist. That's
0: private. Look, kid, here's the deal. The producers hired me yesterday because this shoot is delayed beyond belief. Time is money and they don't like wasting either. They warned me my co-star might be a bit... Taken aback was the term they used about my casting. Fine print on your contract gave you a month to find and cast your sister. A month's passed. It's in the producer's hands now. So, they cast me, and they asked me to smooth things over. So here I am, smoothing.
6: Do I seem smoothed over to you? You're wrinkly as an old folks' home during bath time. Tick-tock, you're wasting my time here. If Nika isn't cast, I'll walk. I'll quit. You walk, and you'll be in breach of contract. Suits will own your ass. What's the deal? Isn't doing this show what you wanted? This was all
2: their idea, the producers. Capitalized on the D.B. Cooper thing. And at first, I laughed it off, turned them down, but... But my sister... Nika? Yes. Me? Right. No, no, I mean... Real me? Yes. Let me guess. She always dreamed of being an actress. She used to put on little shows for us in our living room. I would shine three taped flashlights on her. I was her spotlight man, so the day after I turned the producers down, I called them back and pleaded with them. I told them I'd only take the job if my sister could be my co-star. So where is she? She's back in Boston. I, I can't find her. She's missing? No. Before I left, we, we had an understanding. She was coming with me. But then when I left, she said she needed more time. She said she was going to catch up with me, so I waited for her. She never showed. I was pretty angry. And I haven't talked to her since.
0: How long has it been?
2: A little over two years.
0: Shit, two years?
2: Yeah. And I figure if I came to her and offered her something, like a part in the show, it might help her forgive me for taking so long. Fuck, dude.
0: That's a lot. Okay. I've got an idea. I think you need
6: some practice.
0: Get it out of your system. Spence, we're ready for take two.
6: Oh! What?! You're calling the shots now, Fake Nika? We'll be shooting nothing but the shit all day otherwise. We're still rolling because I never said cut. So whenever you're ready, your highness... Start over. Mark one, take two. Action! What's happening?
0: Just follow my lead. <clears throat> Over two years ago, my brother Dimitri came to me and asked me to go on a grand adventure with him. I turned him down, and he hasn't spoken to me since. Until today. Today, we finally reunite. Will there be forgiveness? Tears? Bitter arguing? Shit-hitting proverbial fans? Who knows? The inexplicable riddle. I'm fake Nika Stamatis. I'm not Dimitri's sister, but I play her on TV.
2: Uh, I'm... I'm Dimitri Stamatis.
0: Do you have anything you want to say to me, Dimitri?
2: I don't think this is a good idea.
0: That's it? You don't talk to me for two years while you stumble-fuck your way through the Alaskan wilderness meeting crazy old kooks in ice fortresses? I I
2: wasn't stumble-fucking through the Alaskan wilderness... Then you fall
0: ass-backwards into solving one of the biggest mysteries of the 20th century, and you still don't bother to get in touch with me? Don't tell me where you are?
2: What's going on? Hey, you never tried to contact me either. I knew you were
0: disappointed in me. And your silence cemented that.
2: We both made mistakes, but at least I'm trying to make it up to you now.
0: Oh, right. Swell apology. Hey, Nika, I know you were scared to go on adventures with me, and I punished you by not talking to you for years. Uh, can I make it up to you by forcing you to co-star in my bullshit late-night cable croc fest, glamorizing all my adventures? Because, haha, guess what? Sorry, I already did.
2: Fine, you're right. It's a stupid idea. But the least you could do is let me apologize. Don't I deserve that, at least? You won't even let me see you. Not you, not Leon, you're both just... gone.
0: Well, now you know how that feels. When someone you care about just up and vanishes.
2: But that's not like you two. I mean, Leon, he hates moving. He's been in that apartment forever. And... and... and the Red Line is a city now? There's a boycott, the trains hardly move, everything is so different. You
0: take off for two years and you expect everything to be exactly the same? What, did you think we were just going
2: to be waiting for you, right where you left us? Of course not. But would it be too much to ask to expect my siblings to miss me? To look forward to me coming back? You know
0: what I think? I don't think it's really that hard to find me and apologize. I'm standing right in front of your face, after all, and you haven't said you're sorry. Not once. Stop. You don't really want to apologize. You just still
2: expect one from me. I don't like this. This isn't helping.
0: Apologizing would be too hard for you, wouldn't it? You just used this show as an excuse and then disappeared back into it, back into your own little fantasy, just like last time. Because you were too fucking scared
2: Shut up! You don't know me, and this isn't funny. This is mean and immature, so just shut the fuck up. You're not my sister, and this is a family matter, okay? Okay?
0: Cut. Whew, well, now I know why she might have been scared to go with you. Nice talking to you, little bro. Smoke break, Spence.
7: The weeks had been long for Michael. His plan had seemed so clever. Trick Oliver into a lapse of judgment. Allow himself to be carted up to the secret offices where the hidden information could surely be found. And that much had been true... He learned a great deal about Oliver's machinations, his relationship to Emily Bespin, the purpose of the lottery. But he'd assumed he'd find a way back out again, a way to get that information to the people who would benefit. But no, instead he was still there, still up in Oliver's apartments above the third-side office, alone, abandoned. No, he isn't alone. He isn't abandoned. I'm here. He'd grown accustomed to the sound of the pneumatic tubes, the hollow thunk behind the wall. And so he'd known something significant had happened when he heard that same sound, only larger, grander. The sound of an enormous cylinder being launched through a giant tube. He'd seen that one strange tube when he'd first arrived here. The one with the man-sized canister with the chair inside. Like the old Jetson's people mover. He understood that Oliver had gone. I think we can speed this up. He knew he had his opportunity,
4: his moment to escape. Yes, obviously. The door was locked and reinforced, but he figured out that Oliver, half-assed villain that he is, hadn't reinforced the wall around the door. Michael took a few good runs at the wall and burst right through the sheet. Yes, right. So then... So then he went to the kitchen, cut the ropes around his wrists with a steak knife, and tore the duct tape from his mouth. Ow! And And
7: then it was on to the next order of business. Finding a way out. He didn't. Uh, That... that's it. He didn't.
4: That's what you want to boil that entire sequence of events down to. It's the essential information. We don't need to belabor it. There are only two exits. The giant tube, which no longer has a capsule, and the secret elevator, which is locked with a digital passcode. So he's still here. Done. Next bit.
7: There's more to it than just essential information. There's style. There's tone. There's a process.
4: This is my friend. I'm not here to set a tone. I'm here to help. I'm here to take care of him, and that's what I'm going to do. So, I'm sorry to say this so bluntly, but fuck your process. He doesn't need you. He's got me. Really? Really? You know what? All these interruptions,
7: these intrusions, this arrogance, I've had enough. You want to do my job? Fine. But you don't get to pick and choose. You want to do Michael? Then you've got to do all the rest of it, too. Knock yourself out. I'm done.
4: Well, okay then, good. I'm sure it'll be nice to be employed again. Now, Michael, let's see if we can more efficiently get all caught up to where he is today. He broke out of his room, escaped his bonds, tried to find a way out, but failed. After that, he took stock of his resources. He found the notes to Oliver from Autumn and Ada, and quickly pieced together the reasons for Oliver's abrupt abandonment of his command center. He's got a
6: kid.
9: Christ. That poor kid. He
4: took seriously the likelihood that Oliver wasn't coming back. He inventoried the food in the kitchen, found it spare but not barren, enough for a week or two at least. He also found Oliver's liquor cabinet, and evinced only the briefest hesitation
6: before
4: determinedly carrying every bottle to the kitchen sink and dumping the contents out. He looked for means of communication. There were the tubes, of course, and he did send some pleas for help through that network, but nothing came of it. He suspected there was no one at the ends of most of them, or possibly just more of Oliver's agents. The latter suspicion confirmed when canisters began arriving through the tubes with a variety of groceries <laughs> fresh milk and eggs, meat, macaroni and cheese, and stalks upon stocks of celery. So starvation, at least, was not a concern. There was also a computer, an old one with no web browser or email capability, no access to the internet. In fact, the only software it seemed to have at all was Minesweeper, Solitaire, and the Third Sight banking and payroll application. That last he realized he could use, not for communication or calling for help, but to offer up a bit of justice, at least. He saw that Oliver had frozen payroll for all of Third Sight. The company had ceased functioning entirely, it seemed, and all the employees were just cut off. Michael fixed that. He unfroze every employee's payroll and gave them all 15% raises while he was at it. There was more than enough money in Third Side's accounts to cover that for a year or more. And then Michael set about finding a way to live in a locked room. He played solitaire, he read Oliver's books, he watched Oliver's television, he caught a recap of the Octobacle and realized that after his own disappearance his home had similarly vanished followed by the company he worked for.
8: Oh my god. I... I don't even exist anymore. I, I've been completely erased!
4: And it was amidst that last realization that he finally noticed the crystal ball sitting on Oliver's desk. Huh.
1: I wonder... I wonder if that's what...
4: He reached out for the crystal, picked it up, and...
1: Oh... Uh, what,
6: what, what's happening?
8: Michael. What, what, what's happening? Michael,
4: it's me, it's Leon. Where,
8: where are you? I, I, I can't, I can't see you, but, but I, but I can hear you, and, is this real?
4: It's real, Michael. It's difficult to explain, but. I'm here, inside this crystal ball.
6: No, this can't... This can't be real. This can't be. Oh god. It's...
8: It's... It's so good to hear your voice again.
4: I'm sorry. I know this is very emotional for you. I I know you've been through so much. I'm so proud of you.
6: I'm going crazy. <laughs> I'm, go- I- I'm going crazy, yeah. That-, that has to be it, yeah. That has to be it. I- I've-, I've-, I've been left alone. Uh, my life has been wiped from existence, and now I'm com- just completely losing my marbles. <laughs> uh, um, uh, you
4: are not um, alone, Michael. I've been looking out for you this whole time, as much as I can. I, I have so much to tell you. Monthly experience, a ten percent. I Well, Mr. 2 working on a dear Leon letter. I'm certain I'm bring this letter up to dear interest. I just like to know i to not. Wait, stop. Too much. That's too much. Too loud. I, I, uh, I can't.
3: Stop!
4: After touching the ball, Michael grew completely overwhelmed with the amount of information he received from, well, from me. He pushed the ball away, sat down on the floor, and cried. This might be more difficult than I originally feared.
1: Have you ever been trapped or stuck somewhere, literally? Or has it felt like that, metaphorically?
8: Uh, at times, I, I do feel stuck or trapped at times. Sometimes I I have a hard time focusing or concentrating on uh, stuff that needs to be done.
1: Um, it's definitely felt like that, metaphorically. Um, I felt like I've been stuck in my own head sometimes.
6: One time, it just, I was stuck between like what I wanted to do with my life. It's just, it's just one of those times you like, sit there and think for days and just, what, what am I here to do? It's just, what am I supposed to do? I
0: was literally trapped in an elevator once. Well, that day that the red line just wasn't moving. I mean, but that could be any day.
7: Yeah, I've been, I've been locked up before. So I guess you could say I've been stuck. I couldn't leave. So yeah, yeah that counts. Yeah,
6: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, And I came to find out that I wanted to be a photographer and I wanted to portray stories out there for people, capturing stories every moment and stuff like that. I love how photography can explain more than words can do.
0: The power went out and it was terrifying and I
1: hated it. I know what I want and I know that I can get there, it's just the how and the motivation, sometimes I just get stuck.
8: Literally, probably once or twice as a child, like just sneaking into beds and behind cabinets and things, although I can't remember any very specific instances.
9: It has once in my life, but it was mostly just a challenge of some issues I was dealing with. After it passed, I didn't feel trapped anymore.
4: Dipshit Paletti was busy writing a note to the man in the cell opposite his, inside Shawmut Jail in Redline. He planned to flick the note across the floor, past both sets of bars, without the guards noticing. Isaiah Powell was supposed to be released by now. What was taking so long? That's actually an excellent question. When I gave Mr. Paletti the information concerning Oliver's plan... I had hoped he would reveal all of it to the authorities, and it would be sufficient evidence to release Isaiah, investigate Oliver, and free Michael. I didn't anticipate Mr. Pelletti would take it upon himself to own up to several of the crimes he didn't do. I greatly underestimated his guilty conscience. But back to the matter at hand. Mr. Pelletti was about to flick his note to Isaiah when he was interrupted by a guard, informing him that he had a guest for visiting hour.
6: Pelletti! Got a visitor.
4: A visitor?
5: Oh, maybe it's Fox Fossil.
4: He was, however, not Fox Fossil.
5: You are not Fox Fossil?
10: Quite right, Mr. Paletti. I'm a lawyer. It's wonderful to meet you. I'm here to pass on some valuable information.
5: I haven't hired an attorney.
10: So you haven't. Nevertheless, I think you'll be interested in what I have to say. It involves the land your commune uses in Brookline. A development firm I work with has been thinking of purchasing it for brand new condominiums, affordable only to those employed in high-ranking tech positions, pharmaceutical labs, or owners of Japanese sushi bowl franchises. What? Apparently, the land your little group rents is owned by an estranged sister of a deceased local liquor store magnate. The sister currently resides in Wyoming and is unaware of the overall value of local real estate. My firm plans to make her a substantial offer on that land, one which will seem generous to her, but will actually undersell the value by hundreds of thousands of dollars, perhaps even millions.
5: Why would you do something like that, you exploitive, gentrifying vultures?
10: Well, we don't have to. And we won't. We'll leave the land and your commune completely alone. We won't inform your absentee landlord about the, quote, value of her land, unquote. And we won't develop it for maximum profit. (laughs) We don't need it, after all. At a certain point, wealth accumulation becomes... A preference, like choosing uh, additional sides at a steakhouse. We could hold the baked potato, in this instance. All you need to do is one simple thing. Tell the truth. Tell the authorities the truth about your real involvement with the lottery, or lack thereof.
5: The publisher sent you.
10: I know not who you refer to, sir.
5: What of Isaiah Powell? He's innocent.
10: Yes, so he is. And rest assured, your confession will not affect his jail sentence in the slightest. I hope you'll consider our offer
5: carefully. Being an attorney, I assume you have all of this in writing?
10: Oh, I'm not an attorney. Lawyer is just my legal name. I've changed it, like you, to represent who I really am. But just because we represent who we are doesn't mean that representation is accurate. Isn't that right, Mr. Poletti? Hmm? Do have a wonderful stay in your cell, and remember, you can rejoin your commune at any time. Just as soon as you embrace the truth.
4: Dmitry slipped into his dressing room and slumped down in front of the vanity mirror, exhausted after his first day shooting inexplicable riddles. His head ached, echoing with the sound of the slate board slamming shut. All the takes they did of the same action, same movements, same repeated lines. Repetition, replication, redundancy, setup shot, hit marker, lights, sound, roll film, action, cut, cut cut. All day, he wanted to run through the stage doors, run all the way to the airport, fly back to Boston, vowing not to leave until, until he was so tired he didn't notice his answering machine. Two messages. He, he reached out and pressed, he pressed, oh, Dimitri. Hey
3: there, buddy. Um, I got your care package and your letter, and, uh, Thanks for the sweets. Uh, they're awfully thoughtful. Uh, too much sugar for me to tackle on my own, so I'll split them up with the guards. They're good folks. Uh, treating me nice. And deserving of a little something extra for their sweet tooths. My sweet teeth? Uh, nah. That ain't right. Anyway, they've been looking out for me. Been telling them lots of stories about the war, about Alaska, uh, even about you. Sorry you're having a tough time. You should know I don't got no hard feelings or nothing. This is preferable, to be honest with you. I did a lot of thinking before I let you go, and I thought I thought about just walking away, uh, surrendering. But when a man spends... So much time inside his own head, he gets real stubborn. And stubborn men are just prisoners with invisible chains. At least this way, I can talk to folks again. Hopefully, uh, you can soon, too. Take comfort that you didn't spend so much time away. What's left of my family is gone, and I... Oh, I never really got to make amends. But you've got time, buddy. You're not frozen in that Alaskan ice anymore. Make the most of it. If you ever find yourself in Oregon again, swing by the penitentiary. Say hello. They say I'm allowed visitors. (laughs) Only people coming by so far have been the news people. Hang in there.
9: Take care.
4: Dimitri, I I didn't want you to...
9: This message is for Dimitri Stamatis. My name is Uriah Connolly, and I own the property at 17 Orchard Street in Cambridge. My current tenants recently returned from a two-week vacation to find a written contract hand-delivered by you and made out to your sister accompanied by a note for your brother and my former tenant, Leon Stamatis. I would have given you this news sooner, but they did not bother to inform me of this m- misunderstanding until they slipped a note into their rent check which I received yesterday evening. So so, so I, I, I just found out that you you either don't know, or you're choosing an extremely peculiar way to deal with your grief.
4: What? I... Wish I could be there with Assuming you, Assuming it's wish...
9: the former, I, I, I'm really sorry to be the one to tell you this, and especially in such a crude, informal manner, but your brother, Leon Stamatis, passed away about a year and a half ago. I don't know much of the details, other than the fact that his death somehow involved a roller coaster.
8: No. No!
9: Several of your attempted correspondents have appeared here since his death. I attempted to contact your sister, but she was impossible to reach. Eventually, a squatter illegally occupying this apartment, a man named Michael Tate, professed friend of your brother, collected your letters. I do not know why your sister or this man Tate haven't bothered to inform you of this tragic news, and I'm deeply saddened that this responsibility has fallen to me. I hope this concludes our correspondence, or in the very least, ends the repeated practice of letters to a dead former tenant plaguing my current tenants. Thank you and God bless.
4: Augustine dreams of Jerome. I wish you weren't alone in your grief. Leon. You or Nika.
8: Leon, I- Oh God, all this time! Nika! Oh my God!
0: Hey man, you in there?
8: I- I can't!
0: I just wanted to apologize about what went down earlier. It was a shitty thing to do. And I'm sorry.
8: It- it wasn't shitty. It wasn't shitty, you weren't shitty, I was shitty.
0: Whoa, oh, okay. Are you okay? Nika! Nika, oh
8: god, I'm so sorry. What? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry about Leon. I I wasn't there. Dude,
0: you're... you're kind of... Please.
8: Please, just just be her now. Please be her now. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please, be her. Please. Please be her. I mean... What are you? Leon is dead, and I wasn't there. My brother! And I wasn't there. I wasn't there for either
4: of them. Okay.
0: Shh, Shh. Okay. It's okay. I'm so
8: sorry.
4: I'm so sorry, Dimitri. It's
0: okay. It's okay. I'm going to forgive you. It's okay. Someday you'll find me again. And I'll forgive you.
4: What did I find?
8: Oh, God. What did I find after all this? It's okay.
0: I'm here. I'm here. It's okay.
1: uh, credits? Oh, right, he, he left. Uh... Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andreessen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. In order of appearance, this episode featured Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, James Johnson as Dimitri Stamatis, Kristen D. Mercurio as Fake Nika, Alexander Danner as the narrator, James Oliva as Michael Tate, and James Capobianco as Dipshit Paletti. Also featuring Kenny Garcia as Green, Rick Zieff as Lawyer, Greg Shea as Darby, and Ben Flamenhoft as Uriah Connolly. Interviews recorded with Greater Boston Residents. Charlie on the MTA is performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk T D. Drive the Cold Winter Away performed by Adrienne Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk T D. Inexplicable Riddles theme by Dave Fernandez. Drums by Jim Johanson. Archibald McDonald of Kepuk by Dirk T D. Some sound effects and music used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. Episode transcripts will be posted at greaterbostonshow.com. If you enjoy Greater Boston, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or spreading the word through social media.
6: I was told somewhere not to do um, that. It was uh, bad for the vocal cords, but I'm going to say with vocal cords like mine, (laughs)
8: <laughs> you can't damage those. Oh, uh, they're too—they're just too precious.
6: Okay.
4: Everyone, join in. Sorry, that's lovely.
6: I think usually we go the
4: Buddhist monk route, but
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but I love, that. yeah. <laughs> the Fable and Falling Network where fiction producers flourish. Contact Day is in but a few short months, which means it is time to begin preparations for the bi-decennial festival. This year,
4: we are celebrating every single one of you living in
0: my
5: beloved windfall. It is not our business to question the Queen's will. It is not our business to do anything but follow it.
4: It is you. And your loyalty that has laid the groundwork for this incredible utopian society that we speak
8: for. Do you have any idea what's going on with us?
4: It is the duty of each and every one of you to do everything you can to make the festival a success
10: this year. Are you ready to speak kindly with me now,
6: child?
1: I have no doubt that this year will be one for the history books. And that will be due in no small part to the dedication of my adoring
3: self.
2: Windfall, a dystopian science fiction podcast from Rogue Dialogue.